morning everybody welcome to the uh 321 22 briefing of the day with uh all sorts of relevant information for your work week and look at us we're actually getting an early start 10 30 in the morning it's our regular broadcast time here with all of your information and uh i got a new slogan at this show for uh those of you who aren't convinced you're like i'm listening to the run your mouth podcast but I'm not sure that I want to listen to this every time he puts out an episode. Sometimes I love it, and sometimes I'm just not in the mood. And so I have come up with this new slogan for the Run Your Mouth podcast. It's called Live in the Future and Celebrate Being Right. So if you want to know everything six months before anyone else does, except not information that you can make money off of, listen to the Run Your Mouth podcast where you can live in the future and celebrate being right. All right, and I've got a new sponsor for this show. And uh, I'm not quite sure how to pitch this sponsor. So this is the way that we're going to approach this. If you're listening right now, live, there's people out there. This is going to go out today. And right now you're listening to this thing. I want to flood this website with traffic. I want, I want, because this is a good case study, it's called the Gap Armory. And I know how much listeners of this show enjoy tinkering with items, putting things together on their own and having guns that are legally acquired for their own safety. So if you're out there, I mean, this is the most libertarian thing that's ever existed. I, I don't know what I could pitch to you guys that would be more pro-freedom or more pro-liberty than the gaparmory.com. There has never been anything that is more on brand and I feel less comfortable pitching because I don't know how to legally do it, except that it's an entirely legal website. There's nothing on this website that is illegal. There's nothing on this website that you're not allowed to go purchase. So right now, why don't you go check it out for yourself? It's the gaparmory.com. How do I describe this? Let's imagine that you wanted to make a slingshot and you had a machine in your house that you could print the wood for the slingshot, but you didn't have the band. And so you needed to go to a place called that could fill in the gap in your being able to create your own slingshot because you can make the wood, but you can't get the band. So the gaparmory.com is like that, but for other items that you could be safe, uh, safely protecting yourself with, what might you be able to find on the gaparmory.com? Well, here, here's a quote from the Gap Armory. Gap Armory has the gear you need to bridge the gap in your defensive preparedness. We carry parts and accessory for a wide variety of popular firearms. It's liberty, libertarian owned and operated, and they love and accept crypto. I mean, what, what is more pro-freedom than going to the gaparmory.com, especially if you're out there, if you're into this kind of thing, make this the place that you get. They got everything. They got all the supplies that you need. So right now, go to the gaparmory.com, check it out. And like I said, if you don't understand what the fuck I'm talking about, let's flood this website with traffic. Let's show them what the Run Your Mouth fans can do. Let's show them what we did for Sheath. Let's show them what we did for your Kratom. Let's get behind the Gap Armory and let's, uh, you know, be prepared in case things go down. But in a legally safe, responsible way that is only for uh, your own safety and safekeeping. And I don't know what you're supposed to say. So just go to the Gap Armory. Just flood the website with traffic. And if you're into this kind of thing, buy it from the Gap Armory. Okay, moving on. I do have uh, some tour dates and I want to let you guys know that I'm putting together Summer Porch Tour. And if you're watching this right now and you see this loving couple swinging on their porch and one of these old school porch swings, I want to let you know that this could be us. This could be me and you sitting on your porch together, drinking beers, watching me frantically pace around because I have to do a set in a couple minutes. But then after the set, chewing on a cigar and being a lot of fun, 
this could be us. And this is how ADD my brain is. I was trying to look for a picture to showcase the love that me and you could be having on your porch after while we summer porch store together. And for some reason, it popped into my head. Do you guys remember that old Cialis commercial? Uh, and they showcased the two people in bathtubs. It popped into my head and I was just like, that commercial made zero sense. What, I mean, how much of a freak is this guy that he took a medication and his dick finally works. And then he turned to his wife and said, let's sit in empty bathtubs on the beach. Firstly, why would anyone want to sit in an empty bathtub? Bathtubs are only comfortable if they're warm. Firstly, I haven't even been in a bath in a long time. You know why? Because I live in disgusting New York City apartments or now a Connecticut apartment. And not that I don't clean my tub, but my tub is definitely never clean enough that I would actually sit in it. I would have to be having the hangover of all hangovers to like, for some reason, just fill the thing up and end up in the tub. But even that I wouldn't do. If anything, I would just run the shower and lay there, which that doesn't even make sense either. Are any of you people as adults actually taking baths ever? Do they make bubble baths or some shit that's got like a uh, Lysol in it so that it doesn't matter how disgusting your tub is? <laughs> you can still bathe in it. Anyways, I don't know why that Cialis commercial popped in my head other than to say if you're going to take a dick pill, I mean, fuck, fuck the lady. Why would you get into an empty bath with no water in it to then look out on the ocean? It doesn't make a lot of sense. And then I got some tour dates coming up. Just, uh, I don't know. Go find them on your own. It, it's a scavenger hunt for my tour dates. Steamboat this weekend. Come hang out. Uh, I'm getting up there on Friday and then doing the show on Friday. So if you come to the show on Friday, we could probably make some plans to ski. Saturday night will probably be partying more than uh, more than Friday night, but definitely going to be out there having a good old time. Uh, Jersey's got a thing. Liberty thing. Connecticut's got a thing. I'm going to be doing a Boston, Boston thing. My website's not been updated, so you know it's a scavenger hunt. If you can, if you can find the gigs, then you've really earned being at the gigs. That's all I can really tell you guys. All right, let's get into some news stories. I do have a lot to cover, and I have a guest coming on um, in a little bit. So uh, let's take a look at today's topics. Uh, first one is going to be prices are going up. Biden's blaming corporate greed. The Fed is blaming supply line issues. Can we have these two people get together and just debate what's a better lie? If you've got two branches of government and they're trying to decide what they're going to pretend is the cause of inflation, can't they at least agree on what that thing is? Uh, the next thing we're going to be discussing is if, um, if us guys listening to the show, if maybe we should consider going back to college to compete in women's sports. Uh, that wasn't an option when I was growing up as a kid. I was never that athletic, but you know, I, I might be able to be a good female college wrestler grab some titties, throw some women into the mat. It could work. I'm uh, going to be exploring that some more. So, you know, it's uh, you got to you got to do whatever you can to get ahead in life. Uh, and sometimes new opportunities present themselves. Maybe you're working some shit job and you're thinking about going back to school. You don't know how to afford it. Uh, so, you know, maybe consider throwing on a wig, taking some hormones, assuming they let you keep your dick and there's no age limit and uh, taking a stab at women's sports. You might be good at it. And for those of you out there who uh, are worried about the cost of college, uh, this is why our financial experts are saying you should spend more, party harder, and have faith in credit collapse and debt forgiveness for votes. Because, uh, of course, as the uh, Democratic Party looks at the playing field and they realize, my God, people are sick about hearing about this corona thing. Uh, they don't really want to hear about green energy because they're realizing that they don't like when gas costs them as much as they do. 
Uh, we've got a little bit of a pickle thing going on with Ukraine and no one really seems to want to go to war over there, but they don't really like the fact that, uh, we're escalating situations with other nuclear powers and driving up prices. Uh, things aren't going too good. What can we do to make sure people are on our side? Oh, we can offer them free college. I bet if we offer them free college, maybe they'll come back around and they'll still vote for us. Cause you know, we have been talking about debt forgiveness and, uh, I think the person who's most leading this cause is Elizabeth Warren and her big claim is she keeps going. How terrible is it that there's these kids that they were just kids and they were saddled with debt? And that's not. And I agree. I think something criminal must have taken place that some adults sold kids on going to college with a poor return on investment. I mean, somebody at some point in time orchestrated lending to be available worked with schools in order to make these funds available. And then individuals were sitting down with kids and telling them that this was the best opportunity that they had. So I think that we should be going to the top. Well, who was selling kids on this idea that college was a good idea? Who was making the funds available? And who are the individuals who sat down with them and put them into investments with bad returns? I feel that there was uh, criminal activities here. And if we are going to uh, basically just go, hey, what happened to you is so terrible that you shouldn't have to pay this back. Well, then whoever orchestrated those loans and put those kids into those classes, they should probably be in jail. I'm just saying I don't think you can have it both ways. If it is so unbelievably terrible what happened to these kids uh, and that the taxpayers have to bail them out of their loans, then it sounds to me like there must have been some criminal behavior there and we should be going after these individuals. Uh and then here's the last thing we're going to be discussing on today's show is if you're worried about inflation and countries um, are moving away from the dollar. So essentially, if you look at what is it since we went off Burnham Woods, uh, the dollar's lost like 98 percent of its value to gold or something along those lines. Now they're talking about out in Saudi Arabia, starting to price some contracts in Chinese currencies. We're talking about the people might be moving away from the dollar because of the uh, kick and rush out of SWIFT. And we've weaponized the dollar. And since we've made it a weapon, more and more countries might be going, fuck this. Uh, so here's why experts are saying not to worry, because every other asset is worse. Uh, and I find this to be just such a funny pitch for the U.S. dollar. It seems to be accurate. From everything I'm seeing and reading, it seems to be accurate that the world is essentially stuck with the U.S. dollar because there's so many, there's so much euro dollars, legacy systems, reliance on the dollar, demand for dollar, and everything else is so much worse that we're just going to be stuck with the dollar and there no, there's no reason to be concerned with it. Uh, but there's just something so odd to me about the sales pitch for a product being, well, you know, our product sucks, but you know, it's, it's better than everything. Like, can you imagine if you're buying a car and you're like, Hey man, is this car reliable? And he goes, well, not really. I mean, like it, for the most part, it is just every once in a while it doesn't start, but you know, it's better than those other cars that just keep falling off of cliffs. And then you're like, well, do I really want to spend a lot of time every single day in my work, my, my work working to be earning something that's just not as bad as other things. All right, moving on. First story we got for you is Putin. Uh, people are upset with him. He's at war and he was out there wearing designer wear. Uh, there was outrage. I believe this is from uh, the maybe Daily News. So a ten, I don't even know which currency this is. Which currency has got the squiggly line with the line? I think these, this, maybe it's pounds. 
so even but even if this was dollars, which I don't think this is dollars, maybe this is a currency where this is, you know, 10,000 of it is like one of our dollars who is actually wearing cheap clothing. But all right, let's just go with it. So 10,000 is that a li- why do I think that might be a leap? What the fuck is a Libra? I should really look at these things beforehand. So he's wearing an expensive jacket. There's a 10,000 in front of the jacket. And then he also had an 8,008. How do you have a, a jacket that's worth more than a watch? You got ripped off on that jacket. If your jacket is like watches get expensive. I understand that. But a fucking watch. How, how do you have a jacket? Like that jacket's not that. Maybe that's the world's warmest jacket. I mean, maybe you could literally go to the North Pole in that jacket and you would just be fine. I love showing off designer well wear that doesn't look that good. Like, I just love when like someone looks at you and you're like, you're really going to go to the party and that. And they're like, dude, this is a $12,000 T-shirt. What are you talking about? Yeah, but it's a T it's a 12. It's it's like the way Bono dresses because we're on a very big anti go Bono should go fuck himself. Uh, You know, he was wearing like $900 black T-shirts and you're like, it's a black T-shirt. I mean, what what about your T-shirt is worth $900? All right. Now, this was an article. This one was definitely from uh, the Daily Mail UK. Lads Army versus Vlad's Army. The hero Britons fighting tooth and nail to help Zelensky's forces fend off Putin's thugs. And it's a whole article about these uh, experienced military guys from the UK who decided to go over to the Ukraine. And if you're uh, like a uh, one of these like super soldiers or just a guy with a lot of combat experience, it must be kind of fun to play in a pickup game of war. Because, like, usually when there's a full-scale invasion, you got to get, like, our general, you got to get, like, uh, there's a formality to it. You got to get your directions from your generals. You got to stand over here. You got to wait for your supplies. But it must be kind of fun just to, and then and then also, like, you got your terms. Like, you can't just leave when you want to leave. It must be kind of fun. It's just like a pickup game. You're like, all right, I'll go over there. I'll fight in a war for a little bit. Maybe kill a couple people, do a couple rounds. When I get bored, I'll leave. It's like the way I would play uh, roller hockey on a Sunday versus when you got to actually commit to playing for an entire game. Uh, how many of these people you think are actually intelligence? You think most of these super soldiers who go over there to fight in these wars, you think that's actually CIA units where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to volunteer to help out. Uh, or do you think these are people who are just so good at war? They're like, ah, fuck it. I'm bored. Let's go over to Ukraine for a little bit. Now, this is from uh, The Week magazine. And this was uh, General Petraeus uh, explaining what is going on that the Ukraine has successfully killed so many Russian generals. The bottom line is that their command and control has broken down. Their communications have been jammed by the Ukrainians. The secure comms didn't work. They had to go to single channel, then cell phones, then stolen cell phones, Petraeus explained. So what happens is the column gets stopped. An impatient general is sitting back there in his armored or whatever vehicle He goes forward to find out what's going on because there's no initiative among junior officers. He gets up there and the Ukrainians have very, very good snipers and they've just been picking them off left and right. And at least four of these five are absolutely confirmed. And I think the fifth will hear today. Uh, What I find humorous about this is that you always see in these war movies where like everyone's kind of reluctant and then some general stands up, come on, you putzes, let's go. And then the general, for whatever reason, he just walks the front of the line, pistol in hand, and he's so ballsy, he just never gets shot at. And then in real life, they just get killed. And, and that's got to be a fun moment where you're in the general in the back and he's like, come on, you pussies, I'll show you how it's boom. Uh, that, that, that guy's dead. And then the fact that they just keep falling for this trap, like if they had intelligence meetings, they would just be like, just stay in the back. You're supposed to be in the back. 
and just just stay in the back. And then it's like a wily coyote thing, but the trap actually works where they just keep jamming up the road and then the people get frustrated and they're like, ah, fuck, we lost another general. What happened? Ah, he walked to the front. All right, well, can we do another? Maybe bring everyone back and we'll do another class in staying to the back. And then you'd think if this trap actually worked that well, where it's as simple as they keep jamming up the road, they got five generals because they jammed up the road and then the guy just walked to the front to see what was happening. You think if that trap was working that well, our American generals wouldn't wouldn't say that that's what keeps happening. Because I guess if they're so dumb that some guy is that they're just stopping the car in front and the trap keeps on working, and then I guess these people who just keep getting jammed up in front but don't walk to the back to be like, "Hey, we're we're we're, we're stuck up here." <laughs> You'd also think a guy experienced in war, you know, if his communications were jammed and he was stuck in the road he wouldn't like just stick his head out the armored vehicle hey what's going on out there and then you get shot in the head but i guess those people i guess they'd be so stupid that they wouldn't report back i don't know maybe petraeus knows exactly what he's talking about uh and maybe the russians are this dumb but i i i'd like to think it took a little bit more to kill these russian generals and then here was uh tapper He's standing with Petraeus. They got the whole map of the situation of what's going on, all the cities that have been taken over. And so let's uh, look at Tapper, uh, given an explanation of how this siege might continue. In here. So, so you, the significance of having this part right here, which is what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. there, here's Mariupol. Yep. Here's Crimea. Connecting Crimea, which they seized in 2000. Yeah. In here. So, so you, the significance of having this part right here which is what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. there, here's Mariupol, yep. here's Crimea. Connecting Crimea, which they seized in 2014, yes. yep. with the Donbass is what? They can consolidate forces and go that well, way? Well, that Hi, he drew a dick. There he is, right there. You got to be careful. I bet they do meetings all the time at CNN where they're like, listen, we're going to give you these boards, and uh, you can draw on the boards, but no drawing any dicks. And then Jeff Tapper, he just drew a dick. What an idiot. This is the new CNN dick watch. If you ever see on CNN... And one of these people is trying to draw military plans on the board and they end up drawing a dick. You hit us up. Rob's newsroom at gmail.com. You call the hotline. You put up the bat signal of CNN dick watch that they've put up dicks. Sheath ads, RYM 20% off. All right. Now the newest stories is the Kremlin has started to use hypersonic missiles for a second time. You do have to wonder, uh, is it like, well, they were bombing the buildings before and so now they're just bombing them with hypersonic missiles. Does it make that much of a difference? Is this just the newest headline to pull on our guts a little bit? Get us, oh, no, not the hypersonic missiles. Uh, here's what I think. And this is somewhat this is somewhat tragic. I've been I've been telling jokes. I've been I've been making funds. I'm trying to get some laughter out of the tragedy. So we're going to get we're going to bring it down for a moment. Uh, now, here's what I think is uh, what's going on. And here's what I somewhat think the biggest tragedy is it's that uh sometimes in life you should just give up sometimes you just you hit that moment it's not working out and things are only going to get worse and so it seems to me like uh what russia's doing is they're winning and they're slow and by the way seems to me because i'm not 100 sure this is not my expertise uh but it seems like they're kind of sieging towns and uh they're creating a lot of human misery uh a lot of people fleeing the country there's probably all sorts of problems with refugees. You know, the one thing you don't even hear about, how is anyone in Ukraine working right now? How is anyone potentially making a living? Like uh, uh, the country is just slowly getting destroyed. 
town by town. Uh, and they're pretending like they can win this fight. And it seems like what Putin is doing is he is just on a daily basis, I guess, selectively destroying more and more targets. Uh, at what point do you turn around and you realize uh, we that, that there's nothing left here? So I understand fighting to the death if the outcome, no matter what, will be death. Like, so in other words, if you know that someone's going to come into your country, take over the country, and then he's going to just start killing people one by one or doing, you know, the pillaging and raping thing, then you go, all right, no matter what happens here, it ends in death. So we might as well fight to the death and, you know, go out swinging. Uh, in this case, it would seem to me that if you gave Putin what he wanted, which was Eastern Ukraine and a demilitarization, you probably could stop this. So at least you kind of walk away with half the country and you can continue. Now, you'd probably want some security guarantees, I understand. You probably might want some something that includes a backing from other countries that if he ramped it up. But it, se it seems like Zelensky is basically playing this game here where he's hoping that Putin crosses a line of, uh, I don't know what target he would need to blow up next, that that would be the line in which the American people in other countries say, hey, we are going to give you like even if we're just giving you resources to fight, are we delaying the inevitable here? Like uh, if we're being honest and maybe I just have the picture wrong, maybe because we're, we're, we're painting a picture in the U.S. like uh, Russia is not winning, that they uh, are disorganized. This is not going well. And I guess that Putin might just walk away from this. And, and maybe maybe that is the case uh, or maybe the case is that they are sieging the country. Uh, they are picking it off one by one. They are imposing as much pain as possible, hoping that Zelensky finally sits down and gives them what they want and what they want. Like, it's not that they deserve it, but is it just the best of all options? Are we delaying the inevitable here? That's kind of my takeaway. And on that note, so you've had a shopping center destroyed. And in terms of just kind of getting the picture of the tragedy of what's going on here uh, is there is... Reports of, uh, I don't know how this is pronounced, Marupol, which is a town that has been sieged by Russia. And they've been, I guess, going door to door to actually take over the town. Uh, and there's horrible stories about what people that are still stuck in that, stuck in that area are doing to survive. Uh, all right. So I think that's enough. I think we uh, kind of fully are up to date in what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. Now we have uh, the head of Pfizer. At the World Economic Forum, I, this is courtesy of Rebel News. Fan sent this my way. If you ever come across good videos, help me build out the show. Rob's Newsroom at gmail.com. Robbie the Fire on all social media platforms. Uh, people have sent my way wild documents, and I tend to do my homework and not leave my apartment and actually sift through all the things that people are sending me. Uh, so this was a good find. Let's give it a listen. Um, all of these advances are amazing. But even if you make the greatest drug or the greatest wearable, there's no guarantee that the patient is going to take the drug or <clears throat> wear the device. So how are you thinking about technology to engage the patient? Yeah. Again, maybe I will use an example. I think uh, it's fascinating what's happening in this field right now. I mean, FDA approved the first uh, electronic pill, if I can call it like that. So it is a basically biological chip that it is in the tablet. And once you take the tablet 
and dissolves into your stomach, sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that, compliance. Uh, the insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take, they do take them. Uh, it is uh, fascinating what happens in, in uh, this field. But of course, there will be an initial cost that someone needs to invest. All right. So the, the levels here that, for one, this is happening at the World Economic Forum, as we keep hearing about the Great Reset, and then for the head of Pfizer to be celebrating uh, what I believe could be called microchip medicine. You know, you keep hearing about, hey, they're going to microchip me. And so he's celebrating that medicines could be created in which they are attached to a database and there would be knowledge of whether or not you took it. So how would that work? So I guess there'd be, uh, you know, they'd probably create a blockchain for it, I would guess. Um, but if not, you know, just basically a giant spreadsheet, they'd have your name in there. They distribute the medications and then they would know whether or not you took it. And then they would have an absolute record about who has and who has not taken a specific medication. Uh, after what's happened with COVID, does that sound like a win? Does that sound like something that we would want to entrust uh, world powers, governments, or even Pfizer and other corrupt companies with that kind of a power? Well, it only becomes a power if government's going to enforce it. If Pfizer's going to say, and by enforce it, it might even be the licensing laws of that you can only get particular insurance products, and then your insurance company does require you in order to have insurance to have been up to date on all of your medications, which then which then might mean that you don't even have it to say in whether or not you want to take these medications. And to make matters even worse, your doctor might not even have a say in it. How many doctors wanted to describe uh, therapeutics over this past pandemic and would have lost their license for doing so? We spoke to doctors on this very show that ran into that complication. So you end up with this top-down medicine where essentially government uh, can legislate, and not even legislate that you have to take something, but they can do an emergency authorization act that an unstudied medicine is available for you to choose to take uh, and that you have to sign a waiver when you take it that you understand that I, I believe that that happened. I mean, that's crazy. I've heard that from people that when you took the when you got the vaccinated, you had to sign a waiver. Uh, and at the same time, you could be threatened that you're not allowed to have your job and that they would have perfect. Sometimes they just say the evil shit out loud because I, I, they're, they're, they're like so convinced that they're right. Uh, so here here you go. They're celebrating that we might live in a future where there's microchips inside of medicine. And so that they could have perfect, he even uses the word compliance. He says the word compliance to ensure perfect compliance about people actually taking their medications. Uh, this is from Tim the Ancient, and I always like it when people in the chat agree with me. I can't tell if the apparent Russian incompetence is all propaganda or not. Agreed. Agreed. It is hard to decipher whether or not uh, Russia is doing exactly what they're looking to do which is slowly inflict progressively more pain until Zelensky finally realizes and the world finally realizes, hey, we've got no choice but to kind of accept this on their terms or go to war with Russia, which doesn't really seem like a great option for anybody. Uh, or perhaps that Russia is such a mess of a country that, you know, they might they might lose this thing or maybe America's pulling that Afghanistan role uh, type thing where we just try and get them into a war so that they collapse themselves because they can't actually afford it. Okay, moving on. More on the latest Corona news. What else we got here? Got to come to this screen. We've already listened to the Dracula um, vampire guy. This is from the DailyMail.com. 
Did official figures overestimate Britain's COVID death toll? The chaotic way mortalities were recorded during the pandemic could mean thousands were wrongly blamed on the virus. So we've already seen quite a few reductions in all the COVID numbers over the last couple of years. What were some of the reductions that we've seen? So we've had in America, uh, it was estimated 50% of the hospitalizations that were considered COVID later turned out that it was not because of COVID. Then we had last week, there was a 25% reduction in uh, childhood COVID deaths due to a error in the CDC's algorithm. Now we've got out in the UK, dailymail.com, they're saying that the figures were overestimated. So let's take a look at, and that's the death figure. So let's take a look at a little, some pieces from this article. First, disturbing stories emerged from the bereaved relatives of terminally ill patients who died from the disease they'd battled only to be posthumously labeled COVID victims. Then health chiefs admitted, embarrassingly, that the numbers they'd been feeding the government were only an approximation provoking fury for ministers. More recently, it was revealed that a quarter of Omicron deaths included in the, fig in the daily figures did not, in fact, list COVID as a primary cause. More than two years since COVID-19 emerged, many feel they want a simple answer. How many were killed by this virus? At the beginning of the pandemic, the government issued emergency guidance that allowed doctors to verify a death remotely. Oh, this is later in the article, but this is one of the flagrant ways that COVID had been miscategorized. So we already have a full understanding that there is a overestimation of COVID deaths. Now the question is just how much of an overestimation and how much policy and fear-mongering or other reckless decisions were made off of faulty data and then are they ever going to ask this, but was that purposeful? And then, of course, next time around, uh, yeah, listen to the scientists. Well, how much of this data are you guys getting wrong? So here was one of the flagrant moves that was done out in the UK that clearly overestimated the COVID deaths. At the beginning of the pandemic, the government issued emergency guidance that allowed doctors to verify death remotely via a video call or webcam. This meant that care home staff would make the calls and hold the camera up so the doctor could see the deceased. The doctor could write the death certificate based on this. Remote death certificate policies have remained in place, but are set to be scrapped on Thursday, along with the rest of the temporary coronavirus legislation. So in other words, without, I guess, running any tests, you could just kind of look at a patient and go, yep, that was Corona. Heard him cough. That's the last thing he did before he shat himself. So it must have been a Corona death. Yet one study suggested that as many of a third of all positive cases might not have been infectious at the time they took the test. It not only means that the true scale of the pandemic could have been distorted, but also that many people may have been forced to self-isolate unnecessarily. Equally concerning is the idea that the UK's stark and terrifying death figures, which were broadcast daily, were misleading and even overblown. So once again, I'm highlighting pieces, the most flagrant pieces of this article. So I am jumping around. The beginning of that is talking about the inaccuracy of PCR tests, something that Stephen, our COVID Wonder Boy. That's his newest name. No longer is he our non-scientist. COVID is our, uh, Stephen is our COVID Wonder Boy, was telling us that the outset, PCR tests were not that reliable. Our entire data set for this entire thing was misleading from the outset. We did not have data that we could be using for making good, um, uh, to be making good can medical considerations for this at all, because the entire data set's flaw because the PCRs aren't that good. And then obviously pointing out how much of the daily figures that they were showing us of, hey, death, death, dying, 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 death, 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 weren't even true. All right, this is the last piece that we're going to highlight from this article, and then we're going to see the latest in uh, the U.S. when it comes to data. 
Last week in the first of a series of special reports probing the science that has underpinned our pandemic response, the Mail on Sunday sent about tackling the ongoing concerns that tests used to diagnose COVID were picking up people who were not actually infected. The conclusion of some scientists was, yes, they did. And there were those who maintained that despite shortcomings, PCR swabs used by millions were accurate enough. And now here's the latest from uh, that was out from the UK. This is from the CDC. CDC email. Let's do better with our data. Hey, guys, we're sorry. Uh, We've made a lot of recommendations. Turns out we've already noticed some algorithm errors. And so let's do better. You can't. You can't. How do you do this? How do you go on the news every day and go, hey, we've got the word of God. Everyone needs to listen to us. We are the CDC. We are in control of the situation. And then turn around and go, yep, we got to do better. You don't. You don't. You got to leave your job. You got to shut down. You got to make changes. If I were to walk in and say, this jetpack definitely 100% flies. You put on this jetpack and you're going to be able to fly around. And then you jump off a building and just smash into the floor. I don't get to go, oh, well, you know, we're going to we're gonna have to just relook at some of these features. If I were to say to you, hey, I got this jetpack. It may or might not work. Feel free to jump off the roof. Then if you jump off the roof, that's on you. If I go, hey, this thing 100% absolutely works and then it doesn't, right? If you come and approach a situation with that much confidence and that much salesmanship, you don't just get to go, oh, yeah, I guess we, we got to do better. We'll do better. You know, yeah, you're right. No, no, you don't get to just do better. You claim that you were doing it the best. You, you Donald Trump the situation. You, you walked in there and you said, we 100% that got this under control and everyone needs to listen to us and you're going to lose your jobs if you're not following our recommendations. And no, you can't look at the numbers because we need everybody on board following the science. You don't get to turn around and go, oh, we need to do better. All right, let's read a little bit more of this. And among the things Dr. Walensky shared in her letter are five big commitments that will push us to work more collaboratively by moving from a mindset of my data to our data. Fucking mother goose over here. That's how they're going to fix the fix the situation. They just need to play a little bit more Barney so that people realize if we all just work together and hold hands and sing and we could get the, what the fuck are you talking about? You're medical scientists. And the issue is that people at the CDC have a my data problem. What people are getting good data and they're just hoarding it. They go, oh, look, I've got numbers here that this medication doesn't work. But you know what? I'm going to I'm going to keep that for myself. I, uh, I really like this data. It might be worth more tomorrow. So I'm going to I'm going to take this data home with me and I'm going to keep it for me. I mean, why? Well, <laughs> what does that even mean? So, hey, listen, problem solved. I know we've been making recommendations uh, for the last two years that everyone stays home uh, and gets this uh, vaccine. Turns out some of our recommendations might be wrong. And, you know, we just we're going to solve this because we need to have more of an hour data approach. We, we, uh, we had a big board in the office that said, if it's your data, then you can keep the data. And now we're going to change that to that the people that we spent a lot of money collecting the data should actually share the data. Wonderful. Wonderful. Problem solved. I got, I got, I got full faith in the CDC now. All right, let's continue. The email is the first formal indication that the CDC is taking new steps to remedy the data gaps that have hindered the agency's COVID-19 response. And it comes amid calls by lawmakers and public health officials that the agency finds ways to ensure more accurate data to respond to the next pandemic, information that can easily be shared among hospitals, state health departments, and the federal government. 
In an interview with Politico before the email sent, Jernigan said the modernization effort will include unifying public health data systems at the state and federal levels, ensuring the CDC is relying on information that's up to date and can be used in real time, and helping states hire staffers to work on data collection and analysis. Over the last two years, the CDC has struggled to keep up with the rapid spread of the virus, largely due to the country's antiquated and aggregate public health data infrastructure. The agency depends on states to gather data from lab reports and hospital records, which is then submitted to the CDC. But state health departments have been underfunded, and the methods they use to study disease outbreaks such as COVID-19 are disparate and outdated. States rely on several sources to gather public health data, including through contact tracing, lab reports, and individual reporting. Some still depend on labs to fax results, while others work with systems in which duplicate positive entries can't be eliminated. The data issues are real, former CDC director Jeffrey Copeland said on Wednesday during a panel hosted by Yale University. It's really inconceivable that they were unable to get common measures from state to state to federal. This undermines what we're trying to do, and that needs to be corrected. All right. So I. Put forward one fantastic question to you listeners of the Run Your Mouth podcast. I'm going to have to go back. The problem is I spend entire days validating little ideas, and then I drink, and I don't have a lot of confidence. And I'm like, is that really what I read? Is that really what we validated? Well, when I was looking at death reports from the CDC, I believe that if you had an unverified vaccination status, you were considered to be unvaccinated. Now, if the CDC is also reporting that they did not have good communication between states on data. What do we overestimate that that one, that's just one little piece of flaw. Like that's like, there's, there's a PCR test. There's a lot of layers here, right? And issues in terms of the way that they collected data, including that there might just be an algorithm error where they go, oh shit, we were miscounting everything by a tenfold. And so, you know, really there weren't any deaths, algorithms, my bad. Uh, but even if they, uh, that just one little piece alone, that an unknown vaccination status was considered unvaccinated and you're by your own admission, you don't seem to be very good at communicating this data based on that one thing. How much was this overreported? Uh, and I believe that's all from the article. All right, let's take a couple comments. And then, um, I've got this incredible uh, video about Elizabeth Warning wanting to regulate crypto. And then I thought I was going to have a guest on to discuss semiconductors, but I'm going to guess that maybe this guest is not excellent when it comes to uh, time zones uh, because I know that they don't live on the East Coast. And I did say that we were going to do this at a 11 a.m. Eastern. Let's just uh, I'm, I'm stalling right now. I'm, I'm looking into my messages. Oh, you know what happened? I never sent the link. Isn't that hilarious? I just, I straight up never sent the link. I, I'm like sitting here stalling going, why isn't my guest here? What is wrong with them? Uh, and now I've discovered it's, it, it's always my fault. I should just assume that it's always my fault. And maybe I should stop yelling about CDC data because maybe I probably also had that wrong. All right, here we go. Our guest will be with us momentarily. Uh, we're going to get the rundown from a true expert on everything related to semiconductors. Let's take a couple comments and then we're going to play this video from Elizabeth Warren. All right. Uh, first is uh, J3 with W Rothbard has confirmed. Yes, it's British pounds. Dr. Scotty Jones, those Russians and their fancy missiles. Tim the Ancient. Oh, yeah, I already read that one. Uh, Marie uh, Marion Brandon. So the anti-vax boomers who said the vax would plant a microchip inside you were just ahead of their time. Yes, they were forecasting what was coming next. 
Uh, maybe they should have just waited till it actually happens so that everyone would have gone, hey, that would never happen. Yep, ahead of the time is what this show specializes in after all. Well, that and the CNN dick watch. There you go. This guy gets it. CNN dick watch. Let me know if they're uh, uh, reporting any dicks. In South, insert the South Park BP. We're sorry. Clip here. Love it. Okay. Um, now let's see if I even sent my guest the right link. Uh, producer, what is wrong with you? Okay. Yes. Link has been sent. Let's play this Elizabeth Warren video. We'll see if our guest makes it. And if not, we'll have her on another day. All right. So this is Elizabeth Warren uh, grilling random individuals about Bitcoin and some of the potential issues that Bitcoin makes for the federal government. I mean, put simply, yes, it creates issues for the federal government because uh, they need to distribute dollars as far and wide so that they can print as many of them as they can and try and get away with as little inflation as possible because there's so many dollars not in the United States that exist that they can get away with inflating and, you know, create so much dollar demand that people just endlessly want to give us money no matter how much we print to the point that even people as dumb as AOC could be like, hey, we can just have buildings. All right, here we go. Guest is here. I've already kept her waiting. So uh, we can do the breakdown of this uh, Elizabeth Warren video afterwards. Let me just... Uh, reset up my screen here. I, uh, sorry for the delay there. I had thought I'd sent you the link. <laughs> I was wondering why is this person keeping me waiting? And then I discovered that I hadn't sent the link. How's it, how's your day going? I am great now. <laughs> I was wondering, no, no problem. Uh, first off, I apologize for the rain. I do live in the Seattle area, so you might hear some in the background. I actually, I, I cannot. Also, people in the chat, if for some reason uh, the sound is not clear for you guys, uh, I, I'm wondering if it might be actually be doubling back in my mic. You see, I'm not a very professional operation. I'm realizing, give me one second. I have to make a change here in my settings. Um, Okay, there we go. Now I think we're going to have crisp and clear sounds. All right, let me uh, let me introduce you. We've got Whitney. Why don't you tell everyone uh, your social handle and a little about yourself? I know that uh, you're doing some good work for the Meekhawks. Yeah, so I'm at WMDavis1109 on Twitter, uh, but I just got married recently, so my name is actually Whitney Boatwright. I'm on the Mises Caucus board. That's how Robbie and I got connected, um, but I... I just do that kind of as my night in the shadows job. Uh, my day job is actually a global account manager for a semiconductor company. And I've been in the industry for six years now. So I'm actually really excited that there's a crossover because I've been ranting about this to no one on Facebook. <laughs> and uh, thank you for asking about it. All right. What uh, I guess we can start with that because, you know, I rant quite a bit on random topics where I go, hey, this is what everyone should really be concerned about. And uh, no one listens to me except I mean, <laughs> we got people here now. So what was it that you were yelling about even a couple? Or, when did you get first get started yelling and what what was the warning that you were trying to relay to people? Actually, I think my first time yelling about this was 2018 when we were having passive shortages and uh, no one cares about that. That's fine. Uh, but recently, um, you know, this shortage that's going on right now started kind of at the end of 2020, uh, but it's been lasting the entire year of 2021. So I've just been shouting throughout um, 2021. So I, I don't know if you've given an introduction, a, a semiconductor shortage, if, if uh, I need to go more high level than that. 
No, we, yeah, we definitely need to go a little bit more okay. high level. But here's my first question. So they, they just kind of say the reason why the costs on so many goods are, goods are going up and why there's so much non-availability of goods, particularly in cars, is because there's a reliance on semiconductors and there's a shortage of semiconductors. My first question, though, is I'm an old school person and that like when I get into a modern car and I got to like press a button for it to start. I'm like, this is fucking annoying. Or when I hear that I've got a smart fridge and it's going to report, it's like, just give me a fucking fridge. Like, I don't need a smart toaster. So how much like critical, like how important are the semiconductors actually? I know that we've chosen to build more items with them, but like, I don't know. Do we really need semi these semiconductors in cars? Am I an idiot here? Or could we be more like, could we be being more mechanical in a pinch? Um. You could, and some auto manufacturers are kind of opting that way. But what what I think is cool about uh, semiconductor and cars is that they actually help with um, safety features as well. They help with uh, your gas mileage safety features, and then also just your infotainment systems is what they call them. So entertaining you, Robbie, and not just the annoying push start. I completely get that as well, because if you forget your keys... And then the I car's lose, still running. <laughs> I, I lose my keys within the car. That's like, I'm, I'm a putz. Like I need to know that the keys in the ignition, if I have the yeah. option of not doing that, I just, I, 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 I'm, I'm really dumb. So I'll just place it. And then it takes me a lot of time when I get somewhere to try and figure out where with, and I know everyone here is like, just put in the cup holder. And <laughs> yes, if I could just put things down and knew where I put them, I'd probably save myself thousands of hours a year. I don't, right. it's called having ADD. I don't know. All right. So anyways, <laughs> let's go higher level here. So mm -hmm. what is going on with the semiconductors? Cause you would think if you had, uh, I guess such a critical piece of equipment and yet capitalists knowing that they would need something, we wouldn't end up in this situation. Right. Um, so I do want to take a step even higher. Everyone hears about automotive and things like that. And I'm sure you think about your computer and your phone, but semiconductor is the foundation of the modern world. All the, all the things you hate, <laughs> but also all the things that uh, make you healthier as well, keep you alive. They're in medical devices. They're in space. They're in, they're everywhere. Uh, so it's very, very important to our modern world. Um, so what's been going on, though, for the past year or so? So I will start with the U.S. lockdowns and the China lockdowns uh, that kind of happened simultaneously that really hurt our supply chain. Um, so the first thing was when everything shut down, in particular, the automotive industry, which was one of the fastest booming industries for the semiconductor uh, industry, um, the demand went down. But since everyone was working from home, laptops went up, uh, demand for servers went up, any kind of telecommunications and things like that. So the supply kind of worked itself out because of the lower demand and higher demand there. Um, but then around the end of 2020, when um, automotive started opening up, things people started going to work. Half the people were still working from home. There was still high demand for um, everything that was at home, supporting remote work, and then increased demand of automotive as well. And that's kind of what broke it. Um, and people want to blame that. They want to say, you know, the semiconductor just can't react. Semiconductor industry can't react quick enough or 
whatever. But this is where we need to talk about market trends versus political whim. It's so much easier to predict market trends. We were doing just fine with market trends. And then on a political whim, they shut down the entire country and then they open it up again. And what are we supposed to do? Um, so that's that's what happened on the U.S. side. And then on the China side, um, you know, they had countrywide shutdowns. They had provincewide shutdowns. And what I think a lot of people don't understand is that China is also a big player in chip manufacturing as well. Um, they have a handful of top semi or top foundries in the world where people like Qualcomm, for example, will rent out space um, to actually manufacture their chips. So Qualcomm may own the design, but they won't manufacture it. Uh, foundries in China will. So when they shut down, it kind of disrupted that as well. Is that all just cheap labor? That because China's got cheaper labor, everyone outsources uh, the chip manufacturing to them? I actually looked into this and I was disappointed to find out it's actually government incentives. You mean uh, that, oh, that China, China. has... Oh, so that's interesting because then that, that does kind of create a non-free market uh, argument that China's invested in critical infrastructure. Like if you start looking at oil, I, I, I once read this book and the, the guy is both the most interesting and then you kind of have to fact check him because there's a lot of conspiracy stuff in there. But there's this guy, William Engdahl, and um, it, he talks about kind of controlling crucial oil and supply lines because the Americans won World War II because like the German tanks just ran out of oil. And so we understood like you kind of, you need oil. That's the way that you kind of make sure to win wars is that you got oil. So has China done something similar here where it goes, Hey, I know that the world needs semiconductors. So we're going to, uh, I guess, invest in the industry so that we can do it for cheaper than anyone else. And then also if shit hits the fan, then no one else can have their semiconductors. Is that part of the logic? I, I don't want to prescribe any uh, motivation to it, but what I can tell you is, you know, how China has their five-year plans. Uh, the last five-year plan, they put a lot of emphasis on technology. So they have been investing a lot in having China be a self-sufficient technology hub. And really all it is, in my opinion, is just copying what the U.S. does. <laughs> I haven't yeah, seen yeah. any innovation so when it came to steel, I, I remember specifically with steel, because I, I, I read a little bit of a Dan Amico's book, uh, American Made, uh, who really had a heavy influence on Trump. Uh, and what he was describing there was, hey, the American steel producers can't compete when Russia, I mean, when China steps in and basically gives free money to over to those industries that they can sell it for cheaper. But then I'm looking at that and I go, yeah, but every single car will be cheaper. Everything that runs off of steel is cheaper for Americans, so Americans win. And then if for some reason we ended up in a situation where we need steel and it became profitable to make steel in the United States, we could probably do it. Uh, is microchips, I guess, such a critical piece of infrastructure? Like, does there actually become an argument, like a non-free market argument that our government needs to, I, I guess, uh, make a similar play in investing in semiconductors because otherwise we are at risk for the fact that like you can just end up in a situation where China cuts us off and we just don't have something that we need. 
Because in other words, like it sounds like we can't exist in a free market against China stepping in and just giving over free money to an industry. So when it becomes to something that's critical infrastructure, I, I mean, you're also a Mekok libertarian. So is there a uh, argument that our government needs to help with that industry? Like, I, I don't, you're the expert here. <laughs> I will not make the argument, but they can make <laughs> the argument. Right. Um, and there's other countries that do it as well. South Korea has incentives. I think it was Singapore has so everyone else does have government incentives and maybe it has distorted the market a bit but that's the the kind of beautiful thing about the market is it figures out how to be how to work anyways how to be innovative and cheap within the confines um, of of these government restrictions or government favoritism anyways um i i will say that i have you heard about the NSTC, the National Semiconductor Technology Center that was created last year. Yeah. Um, so oh, in the terrible. last, <laughs> it, it's not completely terrible, but it's on the road to terrible. <laughs> um, so in the last NDAA that was passed in 2021, they created this. And it's, you know, my worst nightmare because at least trade with between countries seems kind of free market. Uh, just think about trading between states where states have certain favoritism and things like that, but you still get this sort of free market out of it. Um, and it's because of this global supply chain that we've been able to have um, uh, cheap products, small products, and efficient products. Um, so what this center aims to do is just put money in the U.S. semiconductor market. Um, so by doing uh, tax incentives so that they will build manufacturing here, uh, which I do support building manufacturing here. I just don't really support destroying the market to do it. Um, I just support doing it to diversify your supply chain. And then the other thing is they're supporting R and D here. So that concerns me a bit more because so while I'm in sales uh, right now, I've also been in the product line where we develop the products. And um, the one thing that determined whether or not we create a product was the ROI. And how can you determine ROI when you don't really have a cost? It, so it's going to impact, you know, what we invest in is probably going to invest in higher uh, priced goods than lower priced goods, but you need the lower priced goods. Um, so I could foresee this kind of distorting the market more towards higher price and not towards the commodity goods and maybe having a shortage with commodities. Who knows? Um, so how how bad is uh, like you actually work in the industry? We hear fleeting talks of, hey, there's a semiconductor shortage or there's a semiconductor issue. Like how, how bad is it actually? It's pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm not sure what I can say uh, that doesn't violate an NDA. I'll just say that I could see this going well into 2023 so if, if you want products this year it's probably going to be hard to do but if you can just hold off till 2023 uh you you see supply lines easing up and that goods would be more readily available potentially but things keep piling on um so now there's the russia ukraine conflict that could impact supply as well right. 
And that's because a lot of this sort, I don't think they actually make the semiconductors over there, but from what I understand, right. a lot of the source materials come from, uh, maybe you can be, uh, in, I've heard specifically Crimea has like trillions of dollars in, I guess, the crucial metals for this, but you might know more about this. Yeah, so uh, Ukraine supplies, I want to say, half of the world's neon gas. And neon gas is used in the etching process of the manufacturing of semiconductors. Um, and as far as I'm aware, I don't think there are other gases that are substituted with this. I could be wrong on that. But there are things you can do to extend the life of the gas. Um, and then Russia supplies the world's, like 40% of the world's palladium. Uh, which is just a metal contact that's used in semiconductor. And um, I think there are other metals you can substitute there as well, but it's the best at what it does in that process. Um, so this is cutting off a lot of the raw materials uh, for manufacturing semiconductor. We can shift. There's actually some supplies we could use in the U.S. Um, but ultimately, it'll put a strain on the existing supply. Okay. And then uh, what's the story with Taiwan? Because people keep saying that the reason why China wants to, uh, why America can't afford to have China taking Taiwan is that so many semiconductors are made over there. But I would think if we're, if we're freely trading with China, it doesn't, it, it wouldn't really matter. And I don't understand why specifically Taiwan is making semiconductors or why someone couldn't be doing it more of it in South Korea. Uh, so any insights into the whole Taiwan semiconductor story? Yeah, um, Taiwan, another country that I believe has incentives as well for building there, but it also has a bit more of a free market. Um, it, and it also feels a lot more like the U.S. than China does. Right. Um, so you might have heard of TSMC. That is the world's biggest foundry. I think they have over 50 percent. They make over 50 percent of the world's chips there. And then there are a couple other foundries there as well. Um, so I think that might be where the concern is coming from is I think it's like 57% of the world's chips made there and people have this fear, but I'm not personally worried because like you said, we already have free trade with China. China already makes chips for the world as well. They already do manufacturing. Um, I, as a uh, an individual business, I would probably diversify outside China just in case there's any kind of political uh, decision, even on the U.S. side, because there's been threats by both Trump and Biden uh, to cut off some Chinese companies that could impact U.S. supply chain. So um, I, I think it's I get where they're coming from. But if China's going to block off TSMC, they're going to block off all the other ones that they have as well. Um, and and the U.S., I think, is the biggest consumer of semiconductor anyway. So why so they'd would be ruin, they'd be that? ruining their own market? In other words, right. they made an investment into a uh, profitable product and we're the ones buying it. So they would be shooting themselves in the foot as well because they've made an investment and now they can't sell it. Right. So, right. Right. Okay. Uh, any other, uh, I mean, this one, because semiconductors just keeps kind of coming up in the news, specifically with the Taiwan. That's always been the biggest thing where like, oh, China's going to take Taiwan and keep all the semiconductors and then we're going to be fucked. Uh, so is there anything else, though, that uh, any other insights into semiconductors you think the listeners will run your mouths should know? 
I oh, as a part of the uh, NSTC, this is something I really want people to know and to to fight against. They're also funding. They're they're combining funds with the Department of Defense and a couple other agencies as well. So that's a little bit alarming for me. Um, just be on the lookout for that. But just in general, uh, semiconductor is ubiquitous. What we've been doing, it, the people running this don't need the government's help. We need the government to get out of the way. They're the ones that <laughs> broke the supply chain. So I'm really annoyed uh, when when they think they can come to the rescue, but that's kind of typical of them. Um, yeah, so hopefully that NSTC doesn't get worse and I hope they don't try to actually control the supply chain because they think we can't do it. It's too complex for the government to do it. So they just need to stay out. All right, and then what's the investment play? What's the South Korean free uh, semiconductor thing that we should be investing in? How do I get in on these semiconductors? <laughs> do I just start hoarding them? Wait for three <laughs> months from now when everyone really, really needs them? What's the move? <laughs> That's not a bad idea, actually. Oh, what, you could just... probably get a lot. I know you were kidding, but you could get a lot of money if you go to DigiKey and just start stockpiling. Oh, there's actually reals? this there's this gray market going on, too, uh, where people are, are buying up from the OEMs and then just reselling it. What's at OEMs? A higher price. I don't, I don't even um, Original equipment manufacturer. So uh, right. Intel, Samsung, uh, the ones that actually stamp their name on the chip. Um, so you could buy it up from from them and resell at a higher price that's actually happening or you can buy their stocks <laughs> uh what you mean the oem stocks yes uh right. oem stocks actually what i'm looking into is maybe investing in like palladium interesting uh, stocks if if that's a thing because um you know that's going to be in high demand I'm just trying to give as much money to Russia as possible and then get the <laughs> ETFs turned off. So I just lose a hundred percent of my investment, but then, it. It, but then it gives me the motivation to wake up every morning and do this. <laughs> all right. Anything else uh, to plug or uh, do we cover it all? I, I think we covered it all. Uh, don't forget to check out the Mises caucus. Hell yeah. Mises caucus, me get out there. I'm doing all sorts of events. Uh, I got a uh, Boston coming up, Connecticut, uh, looking at one and I don't know, hopefully I got to get out to Portland. I'd like to do, uh, the West coast again. I had a lot of fun when I did, uh, I did the, the Mekaw convention. Well, it wasn't the Mekaw. It was like a libertarian thing, but I went out to, uh, where the hell was it? Locks something. It was beautiful. Right. I think it was in the Columbia Gorge area. Very Sounds pretty. right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Sure. Have a great day. Thanks All for right, joining us, everyone. One. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye. And I'm back. All right. Uh, we're going to come back to uh, what's her name tomorrow. Elizabeth Warren tomorrow. We're already an hour and two minutes into this. This is supposed to be a simple morning briefing. I'm supposed to give you all the news really, really quickly so you can go about being informed. I don't want to give everyone more information than what they can possibly consume. I know some of you guys are still trying to catch up on this uh, Gene Epstein episode. Got to listen to it a couple times to uh, to to you know make sure that you've absorbed all the information. So we will be back tomorrow. Uh, going to do the Elizabeth Warren thing. Got a guest coming on for some ESG talk. Then on Wednesday, 
This is a fun one. Got Keith Wiener coming back on the show. Going to give us the opposite perspective uh, to Gene Epstein. Uh, maybe maybe we'll even be able to give some pushback, or maybe I'll just sit there, be over my head, confused, and just go, all right, yeah, that makes sense too. And everyone listening will be like, yeah, but this is the opposite of what Gene said. How can both those things make sense at the same time? That doesn't make sense. All right, that's it for today. I got I got a day job to attend. Later.